Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. And a good morning to you. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot. Your um designated Carmen for today because Carmen is still out. She'll be back in on Monday. She's been at a conference out in Seattle. I was wondering if I'd get a tweak or a little, you know, Ryan's running the board, and I was wondering if I was going to get a little spark when I said designated uh Desig- yeah, that's a good way That's a good way to Des- describe it. Yeah. Designated Carmen. I, I got yeah. that, actually. There was a guy down in... Um, down in Des Moines, I worked there for a couple of years. The morning guy on uh, the big talker at that time, he, he's retired, but uh, Van Harden, there was a show called Van and Bonnie, and anytime Bonnie was out, whoever was filling in, that was the designated Bonnie. Okay. So that's where I... That's a high honor, designated Carmen. I mean, yeah, that, I guess those, so. are, those are big shoes to fill, but you've been doing a great job. <laughs> oh, thank and you. we only got a few hours left, so... Okay, we'll yeah. get through this. We'll get through yes. this, and people can get back to their regularly scheduled <laughs> Carmen. So, that's correct. Anyway, as Carmen often does, and we keep going, asking, where in the word are you? And if you've been following us with our Growing Your Faith verses, which we heard just a little while ago here on Faith Radio. Today we're in Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My child, do not reject the Lord's discipline and do not be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. I know oftentimes we don't like that whole thing of discipline. It feels like punishment, or at least it's just painful. And it is because we want to go away that the lover of our souls knows it would be hurtful and destructive for us. It goes against his design for us. Now, just like a shepherd has a staff that he can use if necessary to cause a little discomfort to prevent us from a greater harm or pain, God does similar things. He guides us, and sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable. But the crazy thing is, and I know we oftentimes think of discipline, uncomfort. It's not always that way. Sometimes God's disciplines are anything but harsh. I want to give you two examples. If you remember in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah, after the big, you know, success he had on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal and their preachers and such, Jezebel threatened him and he fled for his life. He was fearful. He was, he he didn't want to, you know, he, he just kind of all of a sudden is like, I'm the only one left, God, I'm the only one. And he was getting really mopey about it. Well, if you read that story, God had to slowly, gently redirect and correct him. You don't think that's discipline? I kind of see it as a gentle way because he's our shepherd too. Or there's another one. This one I really like. And this I I know was hard because Peter struggled with it. If you go to the last chapter of John, you read the story of Peter's restoration It was a a gentle discipline by Jesus, a gentle redirection for him, and actually setting the direction. You could see Peter was pained by Jesus asking him three times if he loved him. Remember, Jesus denied, or rather, Peter denied Jesus three times before he went to the cross. He wanted to get Peter back on track because Peter was going in a different direction from what God wanted him to do. So it was a gentle recorrection. 
Did it hurt a bit? Mm, a little for Peter. But he never turned back, which is great. God is wise and loving in his correction, and he uses whatever type of correction we need for our good. Hopefully gentle, but careful, it can be a little little hard. Well, some quick Pray the News headlines. I don't think uh, World News Group talked about this one. Yesterday, Lebanon commemorated the second anniversary of the port explosion. I know it's two years ago. It was their 9-11. I mean, it was humongous, this humongous explosion caused by tons and tons of ammonium nitrate exploding in the port of Beirut, destroying so much. Now, crowds gathered on Thursday to commemorate that anniversary that left more than 200 people dead, 6,000 wounded. Two years later, neighborhoods in the eastern side of the Lebanese capital still remain badly damaged. What remains of the giant wheat silos there? We're still on, actually, they occasionally will burst into flames. They did yesterday during the commemoration. The investigation into that, uh, into that explosion has stalled, obviously, angering families and those who are victims of, uh, or at least families of the victims. Um, we've talked a lot about this with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. They have covered it because it had so many implications for what happens in the Middle East, what happens in Lebanon, affecting a lot of churches, too. So, yeah, you check that out. If you go to missionnews.org, you can find out more about that. Um, one more note. If you maybe were listening early, early this morning to Telling the Truth, the ministry of Stuart and Jill Briscoe, uh, news came out yesterday that Stuart Briscoe passed away on Wednesday at the age of 91. His family wrote that it is with deep sadness we inform you that Stuart Briscoe died of natural causes unexpectedly during the evening of August 3rd. For many of you, he was a preacher, pastor, mentor, and friend. To us, he was Stu, Dad, Papa, and we are already missing him achingly, achingly, they said. So please keep Jill. um, I noticed his son Peter was part of the show for a while, too. His uh, Peter is a pe- preacher now down south. Um, and the entire Briscoe family, keep them in your prayers. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. He was, he's been a great voice here on Faith Radio for many years, and he will be missed. Well, coming up in just a bit, we're going to join up with Steve West. Steve is with World Magazines or World News Group's Liberties Roundup. You know, some Christian ministries that hold their employees to upholding a biblical sexual ethic continue to face prosecution and persecution one such college is fighting back and we're going to talk about that first and more liberty news headlines as mornings with carmen continues here on faith radio Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen one more time. And joining me now from World News Group's Liberties Roundup. Are you wearing your baggies and your sandals there, Steve West? Oh, my goodness. No, Paul. No, <laughs> not at all. But I am enjoying the view. That's that's good. That's good. Hey, thanks again for joining us. I appreciate the fact you joined us to, you know, keep an eye on what's happening on, on the legal front for protecting religious liberties. And I know a little aside here first, a lot of people think, oh, you're just doing it because you're, you know, just trying to defend Christians. The, the, 
This is a human rights issue in your mind, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, religious liberty means liberty for all kinds of faith groups. So, I mean, it's not just Christians that we're protecting. We're protecting every person who wants to act out their their deepest beliefs. And so that's that's what's important about religious liberty. And so that's why we cover that here on Faith Radio. And I know you do that through World Magazine or World News Group, uh, News uh, NW. Ah, WNG.org. <laughs> Keep you getting our website. It. There we go. There we go. Now, one of the stories that you uh, recently talked about, now we're getting ready for a new school year, both for colleges and high schools and other stuff. And I think we're going to pretty much hang there today in our conversation. Let's start with, with Seattle Pacific University. Now, the state of Washington's been – I'll let you tell the story. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Paul, you know, there's a, a doctrine called the doctrine of religious autonomy. And really what it is, is just courts exploring what it means or, or what the limits of autonomy are for, you know, Christian organizations, whether it's schools or churches or synagogues or whatever it is. You know, there's always been this uh, this idea, this principle in the law that that these organizations have a high degree of autonomy in the decisions they make, not just in their hiring and firing decisions, but also in the way they govern themselves. And that comes from the First Amendment, both from the free exercise clause of the First Amendment and the um, the First Amendment's bar on establishing any kind of religion, because the government doesn't want to or shouldn't want to uh, get involved in and um, parsing disputes that occur within the context of religious institutions. So, so this particular case uh, came up with Seattle Pacific University because the Washington State Attorney General launched an investigation into the school, requested all kinds of documents that go back, internal documents that go back at least five years because of complaints from some students, perhaps some faculty, that the school was discriminating based on sexual orientation or gender identity. So rather than just sit around and wait for something to happen and comply with this really, you know, very intrusive investigation, the school decided to file its own lawsuit uh, against the um, against the state attorney general um, based on this religious autonomy doctrine. And so that's what's playing out uh, in this uh, in this place. You know, Seattle Pacific is the university that finds itself in the the middle of a very progressive city. You know, we've heard a lot about Seattle in the news in the last several years. Mm-hmm. It's in a very progressive state with some courts that are very um, left-leaning as well. And so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out uh, in, in the state. It will be, especially when other cases like this, and we'll talk about one in just a few moments, um, if we go to Indiana – there's been enough legal, and there'll probably be more. When it comes to religious liberties, um, there's been a lot of legal victories over the last several years, especially in the area of hiring and such. And having, you know, these ministerial exceptions or whatever sometimes, some, sometimes it's called um, in place. So we'll, we'll get back to that conversation in just a moment here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul. Thank you for listening to Faith Radio this morning. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, 
Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. It's like the bright sunrise waiting on the other side on the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Hold on and believe. Maybe and again, good morning. Thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen one more time. I know you're probably looking forward to having her back. And hey, why do you enjoy listening to Carmen? How has Carmen impacted you in your life. Why do you listen? We'd love to hear your faith radio story. You can share that. We'd love to hear it at myfaithradio.com. We continue talking about religious liberty issues right now with Steve West. He's with the Liberties Roundup at World News Group. You can find that at NWG. Uh, there I go again, Steve. I keep switching the N and the W. What is with me? WNG.org. Ah, Friday morning. Friday morning. It's just that. Anyway, Steve, we were talking about Seattle Pacific going on the offensive as the state there has been trying to question its hiring practices, especially when it comes to lifestyle issues. Now, this is something, and and theology issues too, this is something that's come up quite a bit and some good news, I guess you could say, in Indiana. Tell us about that. We did. A federal appeals court in that rules over Indiana, in fact, uh, ruled that a high school there, a Catholic high school in Indianapolis, their decision to fire a high school guidance counselor for entering into a same-sex relationship was legal. So uh, these cases come up periodically, and it deals with a a doctrine called the ministerial exception, which is a subset of that religious autonomy idea Mm -hmm. that I mentioned earlier before the break. And really what it deals with is hiring and firing decisions by religious organizations, whether it's churches or, in this case, a school. Catholic school. And so this was a teacher that had been at the school for some time. But when that teacher finally announced that um, he was going to engage in or she was going to engage in in a uh, same sex relationship, the school, which is under the governance of the Catholic Church, uh, said, no, that's not possible under our um, under your our standards of conduct. Uh, You've agreed to abide by church doctrine, which is biblical doctrine. In this case, and and so you, we can't continue employing you here. So they don't renew uh, her contract at that point. She says, and this is what I call the bad minister argument. She says, "Well, look, I know what it says in the ministry description that I'm supposed to be a minister of faith in this context. Uh, it's pretty explicit about that." She said, "But look, I don't really do anything religious." In other words, she's saying. I'm a bad minister. I don't actually do what I'm supposed to be doing. And the court rejected that argument and said, you know, what an employee does uh, involves what an employee is entrusted to do, not simply what acts an employer employee chooses to perform. So you don't get to make the bad minister argument. You are what you're entrusted to do. Mm-hmm. In this case, since she uh, and since she violated the standards of conduct for uh, the church. The court upheld the firing and said, we're not going to get involved in that, even though in some other context, uh, that, like with a private company, for example, uh, that may be sex discrimination that would would um, come under fire by the court. Not mm. in this case. Not in this case. You know, it's getting into the issue when it comes to whether it's schools or other ministries hiring I mean, some people have tried to make the argument, okay, they're they're not ministers. They're just here to maybe they're the janitor at the school or something like that. Uh, you know, when you're when you're within the context of an educational setting, you know, education includes that faith element in these situations. And so, 
I don't know. I, I, I get the ministerial ex- exception is, I think, very important to me. I think it is too, Paul. And I think that, you know, we don't know the, the limits of it yet. That's, I mean, that's where courts, yeah. courts are always at the edges of things. They're always trying to figure out, well, how far does something go? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the, the interesting argument that's raised is, well, what about a janitor? What are they actually doing uh, at a school? What, how are they actually a minister, uh, you know, in, in that context? And that argument's been made, you know, that it's been, was made with guidance counselors. It was made, been made with teachers. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's uh, it's a common argument, so you know that's what we'll find out in the the years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now let's switch gears, and again, education seems to be the issue right now. And let's go down to Florida, to Tampa. There is a school, and I looked them up on the internet. Interesting school. Living, uh, they work in a poverty stricken area. It's a Christian school. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it offhand, but right now. They're struggling through the issue of feeding their kids, and they're hoping to get help from the government, you know, helping out low-income students. Go into that in a bit of detail. In a bit of detail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a school called Grant Park Christian Academy That's in right. Tampa, Florida, and they are have mostly low-income kids in the school. There's 56 students from pre-kindergarten to eighth grade in the school, and so the government – you know, provides a under its national school lunch program. It funds student you know lunches for students, uh, low income students in schools, and that's what was happening in this school. You know, and it provided a lot. Um, it, it provided one at least one nourishing meal every day for these kids that came to school. Otherwise, some kids would come to school without any mm-hmm. lunch at all, and that makes learning pretty difficult for them. But what happened recently was that uh, the government said, okay, we want you to subscribe to this, what they call an justice for all program, which required the school to admit, hire, and teach against its religious beliefs about marriage and sexuality. And the school said, well, we, you know, we, we can't do that. Uh, we can't, uh, we can't actually go against our beliefs. And it put them in a, between a rock and a hard place because of course they want to help these kids. This kind of goes back to a Biden administrative administration executive order right on the first day that he took office he issued this order uh, where he was going to back uh, back transgender rights and gay rights uh, in that and that sort of percolated down into all of these systems all of these different programs that the government has and we're seeing issues come up everywhere but here's one right here that really hits home with the national school lunch program they're trying to expand uh, unlawfully the reach of Title IX, which is uh, the part of the education law, federal government's education law that applies to schools and it bars discrimination based upon sex. But that has not been extended to sexual orientation or gender orientation. That's what the government is arguing, but that hasn't actually occurred. And so what here, what the school had to do here was to Enlist the help of Alliance Defending Freedom, mm-hmm. an organization that helps with these lawsuits, and brought a lawsuit um, against the uh, against the government to stop uh, it from denying their participation in this program. So, hopefully, uh, this this will come about. You know, this is an interesting case because we toyed with the headline for this case and mm-hmm. uh, for this story in the magazine. It, the headline is "Biden Rules Threatened to Starve." Tampa school, and we wondered if that was too severe to yeah. say starve. You know? So, uh, so 
so that's some, kind of some some of the things that we struggle with sometimes as a, as a magazine, uh, as a news outlet, as to how how to phrase these things and how to put them out there so they're not incendiary right. in what they say, but they they accurately convey what's going on. But in a sense, it's true. Some of these kids maybe they won't starve, but they'll go hungry if they mm-hmm. don't get this meal. There's that, and again, we're backing up to the issue of when the government chooses to provide something. There's not, whether it be you know something like this for helping low income students with the um, with the school lunch program, which is a part you know that's Department of Agriculture stuff, um, or Department of Education where you're, you're getting Pell grants and stuff like that. Um, there's there's more and more seeming to be these caveats and all these little. Um, going against the actual purpose of the program. The purpose of the uh, school lunch program is to feed kids while they're at school. That's, you know, it's some, something simple like that, but they're adding all these caveats saying, but you got to do this, but you got to do that, but you got to do this. And that's the scary part to me. Well, that's all right. You know, when, when the government extends funds, when it actually, this, and you actually take funds from the government, then the government imposes can, can impose all kinds of conditions on those funds, and that's what they're attempting to do here. You know, it happens in Christian colleges where you know they want to make their funds contingent on you opening dorms to both sexes or, or genders, uh, restroom areas, locker rooms, uh, sports teams. All of this, uh, this push that we've seen, has come because of this executive order. That says, you know, we're going to support transgender rights. We're going to support gay rights. So, I think, you know, it's just filtering down through all of the different uh, federal agencies at this point. Eighteen months out in the Biden administration's term, and that's what we're seeing happening. So, you see these lawsuits that are cropping up over all of these different regulations that are coming out uh, mm-hmm. to support these things that go against Christian belief. They go against the beliefs of many the major religion exactly exactly so it's not just not just a christian thing at all here hey steve steve thanks again we're so appreciate you keeping an eye on things again the liberties roundup steve helps to uh shepherd that you can find that at wng.org and if you look on the the bar the little menu on top click on roundups and find liberties and you'll find what steve and his team are covering a lot more stuff there that we have time to deal with today but steve again thank you for joining us here on faith radio thank you so much paul you've been a great stand-in for carmen oh thank you thank you well this is mornings with carmen up next is max lucato Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Paul filling in for Carmen. One more day. She'll be back on Monday. Another kind of hashtag pray the news. The World Health Organization is seeking to update its gender mainstreaming for health managers manual. And what they call it going beyond the binary approach. I found this at evangelicalfocus.com. The uh, World Health Organization, who is is also, uh, WHO, Will be uh, is focusing on again going beyond binary approaches to gender and health to uh, recognize gender and sexual diversity. The thing is, and they claim they're doing this with science, but there's only 
there's no scientific support for it. That's what we're finding. Several scientific, medical, and legal bodies are questioning what's happening here. And and this is this stuff like this has been used in several countries as an argument to implement public policies that have favored gender transition, especially for minors, without really getting underneath what's happening in their hearts and minds. And that is that is a concern. So something to keep in prayer because the World Health Organization, they have a lot of influence, not only here in the Western world, but even beyond. And oftentimes that can lead to, uh, oh, I hate to say political force being put on other countries and such, but yes. All right, as we get ready to switch gears here, so maybe you're like me, you're scrolling through your news feed, you need you see the new Star Wars series coming up on Disney Plus, and you, or you like me getting hooked, I'm, I'm talking, this is me, this is me, I get hooked watching segments of Star Trek Strange New Worlds on YouTube because I don't have a Paramount Plus subscription. I did want, they did have the first episode for free on YouTube. Ryan, did you just ever? to reel you in a little bit? I know that's the whole thing, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to spend the extra money for that anyway. Why do we keep going back to these various story universes, even if, well, frankly, their storylines are kind of predictable? That's an interesting worldview conversation that Dan Dewitt and I hopefully will be having. Dan Dewitt from Theolatte coming up here shortly on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Hey, good morning. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen one more time on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Okay, Marvel Avengers, uh, DC superheroes, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Doctor Who. What is your, I don't know, cinematic entertainment universe that you, uh, okay, get more sucked in oftentimes, even though really a lot of it is, you kind of know what's coming with a lot of these stories anyway, but... Why do we get sucked into that? That is an interesting worldview question that we're going to talk to Dan DeWitt from Theo Latte about. Hey, Dan, how you doing? I am doing great. How are you doing, Paul? I am doing good. Now, people can find a lot, we're ta- a lot of what we're talking about at your website, theolatte.com, where... Along with doodling, Jeff, you're, you're dab hand at, uh, at uh, <laughs> drawings and such, as your son is, I think. I, I've seen some of his. You've shared some of his pictures, too. He's not a bad drawer, either. We are a sketchy family. That is one way to describe us. <laughs> ah, yeah, we'll just leave that right there. <laughs> and okay. I do have a book coming out. Oh, yes. Sketchy Views. So um, the, uh, the theme is continuing. <laughs> there you go. You're a sketchy guy, dude. <laughs> anyway, narrative universes and pop myths. That's one of your articles. Uh, invite us into the conversation because it got started because of a Wall Street Journal article you saw. Yeah. So the weekend before last, the Wall Street Journal had this beautiful, you know, full page um, artwork that depicted all these big stories that we have all many of us. So many of us have went to to see um, in theater and movies that we stream on apps like Disney Plus or not paramount for you, apparently. No, um, nope. nope. <laughs> but these big stories, and it's just a beautiful collage. The art's done really well, and so it pulled me in just from the picture. Mm-hmm. And but then the story is kind of custom made for the types of things I like to write and talk about. The title of the article is "The Power of Our New Pop Myths," and it chronicles the force of story throughout human history 
um, and it surveys the deep human questions that are beneath the surface of these these narratives. And so one of the things Adam Kirsch is the author, and he asked the question, um, not necessarily what keeps us going back to these movies, but here's this question. What imaginative appetite or cultural need keeps us coming back for more? What is the deeper human longings? And he goes on to say that these stories are filling a role that really religious stories used to fill. And so this is something the church used to do. It used to be able to capture the imaginative appetite of people, but that's no longer the case. And he says it's no longer the case because what has supplanted this kind of big story that the church would tell that would unite people is a more narrow version of Christianity, which he says is kind of a nationalism. And so this kind of nationalistic way of looking about the big story that we find ourselves in as Christians tends to divide us. Hmm. And so in search of a story that can unite us, we turn to Marvel or Star Wars or elsewhere. Hmm. Actually, to me, I, I, to me, it's like there's still a God-hauntedness about this, isn't there? Because people are looking for something outside themselves, deeper. Yeah, and I think that we have to sometimes find the, the, the real curiosity at the end of ourselves. So sometimes we have to realize that a particular narrative can't satisfy us. So self-centeredness can't satisfy us. Mere humanitarianism can't satisfy us. There has to be something deeper in these longings that are, are keeping us on the move from one story to another. Um, as Augustine said, our, our restless hearts will continue to be restless until they find their rest in him. Or I think of another um, great Christian thinker, Pascal, who argued that there's kind of a God-sized vacuum in the human heart, that God's created us in such a way that we long to know him, and we constantly are looking for God substitutes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to get to the end of that God substitute to realize this can't satisfy me. So I think that these stories are a reminder that really if you, if you cut us, if you back us into a corner, humans that is, we, we bleed transcendent hope. Mm -hmm. We long for something more. And the question is, where does that longing come from? And then what can fulfill it? The Christian would say that it's not something that's based in one's nation or one's politics, but it's based in a relationship with the God of all people who created the world. And these big epic stories remind us that we're longing for more. Um, and the fact that we keep going back and spending our money and buying the popcorn shows us that it resonates with humanity. But what's on the other side of that is the question, um, what actually can satisfy this longing? King Solomon said, God has placed eternity in the hearts of humanity. Mm -hmm. And this, these eternal longings, I think, are what make these big, big stories resonate with us. We're longing for a savior, either real or fictional, and these stories constantly put that in front of us in a way that we can't ignore. It's interesting you talk about that because, you know, I always think of the superheroes as being pointers to the fact that we all in deep down, we know we need a savior. Deep down, we know we need because the world is too big for us to handle. Yeah. And even in American history, I mean, look at all the, the when we added in God, we trust to our coins later to paper currency. When we added one nation under God. Um, to the Pledge of Allegiance, we're all during times of national crisis mm -hmm. and um, and even global unrest. And those kind of things, you know, think about the Sundays that f immediately followed 9-11. Churches were yeah. absolutely packed. 
Um, if you back us into a corner, we're reminded that we need God. And that doesn't mean that there's an oversimplistic answer in some ways. It could be, these are big questions and they could be confusing and complicated. But at the end of the day, as I, I recall a conversation I had with a college student one time who was a skeptic, grew up in a, his parents were atheists, and we were sitting in a coffee shop at a secular, on a secular college campus. And after kind of going through a number of his questions, he said, you know, your, your arguments kind of make sense that there should be, you know, there must be something that caused the universe. Um, there must be some kind of, you know, source of this, these moral instincts that we have. But if there is a God, I mean, if he really does exist, you have all these religions. Why doesn't he just come down and say, this is the one true way? He did. He did. He did. (laughs) (laughs) And we had another student with us who had not was not a Christian either, but had grown up around Christianity. And that kid just said, duh, Jesus. (laughs) And that that really it does become simple if there is a God and he wants us to know him. And all of human history, as C.S. Lewis said, is man's sad search for something other than God that will make him happy. If God, the author of our story, stepped into the story and said, this is the one true way, it could simplify this quest to find meaning and purpose. We're talking with Dan DeWitt from Theo Latte, also getting ready for his uh, first semester, is it? Uh, you're teaching down at Southwest Baptist uh, University. Uh, we might talk about that a little bit later. One thing you um, you brought up on, your again, your Theo Latte blog is about a series of videos. Now, we actually talked with Jason Vanderground about this back in the spring because if you're watching the NCAA tournaments, some of these commercials came up called mm-hmm. He Gets Us. Tell us about these videos. These videos are part of a campaign to reach out to what would, you know, sociologists and people who are concerned with these would call the nuns. And those are people who have no longer identify with some religious affiliation. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're atheists, but the the language that gets used a lot about this group is deconstruction. Yeah. They're people who are re reconsidering how they answer the big questions that we just talked about. And this campaign, he gets us is to try to to say, you know, maybe you've been burned by church and it's a good thing for you to walk away from certain parts of your experience. Um, however, walking away from God isn't a good thing. And so God gets you. God gets you with your anxiety. God gets you with your depression. God gets you with your doubts and your confusion. And the great story about Christianity is that God did come down to say this is the one true way. And these videos are reminding people and calling them back to a vibrant relationship with God. It may not look like the church they grew up in. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, of course, I would say it does need to involve church because Jesus died for the church, but it's okay to deconstruct cultural Christianity. Mm -hmm. It's okay to deconstruct those things that are not clearly in the Bible, those things that clearly don't reflect the teaching of Jesus. I find that a lot of the uh, deconstructors, this is mainly among the Gen Z and millennials, (laughs) excuse me, they're at they're even though they may be struggling with our explanations, they still are asking some pretty profound questions that the gospel does answer. Absolutely. And you know, I, I this may be said of every young generation, but um, they're just not satisfied with pat answers and jargon. No. And so they they really want to see authenticity and they want to think through the big issues. And I would say to anybody listening, maybe a grandparent or a parent, or even someone who's a part of this demographic we're talking about, 
doubt is not necessarily a bad thing. Doubt is a sign that you're you're asking big questions and you're taking your faith seriously. And so to be honest, I get worried when people don't ask any questions and when people don't have any concerns. To me, that might be a greater sign of apathy than someone who's, you know, maybe the annoying kid who always has his hand up asking (laughs) a plaguing question. Um, I think the doubt can be a real sign that you're taking your faith seriously. Mm, good point. Good point. Well, we're talking again with Daniel DeWitt of Theo Latte, as well as a senior fellow at Southwest Baptist University. When we come back, I want to take us to an article that you have as part of your your worldview reader um, aggregation that you did. One that okay, I found it. I think, but um, yes. there's a website called Big Think, and I always find it. I, I use the term "God haunted" because they're science, they're scientific philosophers, and they're struggling with some of the big questions themselves. So we're going to get to one of those in just a bit as Mornings with Carmen continues here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you at myfaithradio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. I'm smelling coffee, birds are singing just outside. Here comes your mercy streaming in with the morning light. I think that just came up at random, uh, Daniel. I know you're a big coffee aficionado. Um, anyway, we're talking with Daniel DeWitt from Theo Latte. <laughs> excuse me, Theo Latte here on uh, Faith Radio Mornings with Carmen. You know, Daniel was just talking about talking with others about your faith uh, and how he was interacting with some people around faith questions that they had and wanting to know, okay, what's this whole Jesus thing about? If you're asking those questions, text the word faith to this special number 41224 some friends of ours at the billy graham evangelistic association want to help you navigate some of those important questions you might be having again text the word faith to 41224 dan dewitt with us from theo latte and dan i i love the fact that you aggregate a lot of different articles in your worldview reader to get us to think and actually hear what other people are thinking as well yeah, and so I, I, from time to time, am blessed from people like you, Paul, who love to read these kind of articles as well. And this is one you had shared with me. And it's about why we need another age of reason to save our civilization. Yeah, he called and it so, Enlightenment to the Marcelo Gleiser, I think is the guy's name. He called it Enlightenment 2.0. <laughs> what was 1.0? <laughs> well, Enlightenment 1.0 was really a turn from a revealed religion, and so it wasn't necessarily a rejection of God, but it was a um, exaltation or seeing human reason as the um, ultimate way to know to answer the big questions of life. And so, if we want to make sense of those lingering questions, we don't need to look. Um, for something to be handed down to us, God to reveal something about himself, kind of like the kid who said, if, if there is a way, true way to God, it would have to be God himself who would let us know that. 
he didn't say it that way. That's really what he's getting at. Mm -hmm. The Enlightenment is a turn from that to say, no, we don't need God to tell us something. We need to figure this out ourselves. And of course, that's not a new idea. I mean, that's been around since the Garden of Eden. Um, the early Greek philosophers, I think it may have been Aristotle who asked the question, what is man? And answered it, that man is a featherless biped. Um, if you think about a, a bird who walks upright on two feet, um, a, a man must just be kind of like that, a biped with no feathers. And so the Enlightenment was a focus on answering the big questions without a Bible or a Quran or some kind of sacred text. What this article is arguing is that we really need to get back at making humans kind of the center of all things. And he even argues at one point that it's the fact that we live in a world that allows for us to be alive and ask questions like this means that not only are we important, but our environment's important. And those are both really Christian concepts. I mean, the Christian mm -hmm. would say that we're, we're important too. Um, but the question is, can we find answers to these on our own? I think that the Greek reference earlier that we're just a featherless biped is an example that if humans are going to define what humans are for ourselves, we're going to be really limited. And this article illustrates some of those limitations for us. I found it interesting because he's dealing right now with the fact that our our, our current direct uh, trajectory when it comes to our enlightenment thought or reasoning is right now leading to dead ends. At least that's what I, I infer from his writing. Yeah, I think that um, th this is the kind of thing we'll, we'll talk about often on this program because there's always going to be illustrations of it because these are human questions that have expiration dates because we're not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. So we have a short amount of time to figure these things out. And that's why I think we should really take seriously, no matter how bizarre it might seem, someone's answer at trying to get at how do we make sense of this experience. Now, if if there's an author to our story, then the idea of the Enlightenment Project or Enlightenment 2.0 um, is really starting and, and looking in the wrong places. Mm -hmm. um, if there is an author of our story, then we do need a God who would reveal himself. We do need a God who would come down and say, this is the one true way. And if you think about life as a story in that sense, um, the Christian doctrine of the fall would tell us that there's going to be always kind of missteps and miscues as we're looking for evidence around us. If you think about a good suspense movie, there's going to be all kinds of misdirection. And then at some point in the movie, the producer of the movie, the writer of the script is going to point you in the right direction. And it's usually quite surprising. You know, mm -hmm. It's not exactly that's by definition, right? A good suspense movie. Exactly. What if life is like that? What if there's a lot of misdirection and we need the author of the story to give us some clarity? Mm. Well, going back to your uh, your uh, Worldview Reader blog, is there another article you want to quickly highlight in the last uh, one minute? Because I see a few here. Yeah, you know, at um, Ion Magazine, there's an article, Knowing If You're Awake Seems sim Simple, Why Is It Vexed Philosophers for Centuries? And that's a video from a TED Talk. Oh, okay. And that's one of those kind of things that shows our limitation, right? So if you've ever had a dream that's so vivid and seems so real um, that, you you know, you end up in absolute despair and then you wake up and you're just elated. You know, that was just a dream. It was just a nightmare. How do we know that we're not in a dream right now? 
I mean, after all, Paul's only had one cup of coffee so far this morning. Actually, <laughs> I've not had any coffee for a while. I've been getting See, over that's COVID. Your problem. Well, okay, I've been. I still have been having caffeine. I mean, I have been having tea. It's it's kind of a thing I do whenever I get a cold or or something like that, and I had COVID, um, just to help my. Coffee is not good in your throat when uh, you after that because it, it it dries yeah. things. And so tea's a little more favorable, but I do miss my coffee. Well, you, you might be asleep right now, Paul. And so Good the philosophers have, have long since wondered, how can we tell that the world around us is real? Maybe it's like a dream. Um, maybe we're living in something like the Matrix, and it all seems very real. Or even Elon Musk's uh, belief that we're living in a virtual reality. How can we be sure that what the world around us is real? Again, we need the author of the story. If there is an author to our story, and Christians believe there is, we need him to, to tell us because on our own, we're going to end up in more and more confusion. That's not to make fun of people who have crazy ideas like the idea that we're living in a virtual reality, but rather to highlight the absolute dependence on if there is a God, God must reveal himself. And for the Christian, we believe he has. The word became flesh lived a perfect life, died as our place, as our substitute, was buried and rose again, promising us life and validating his claims. And if that's the case, we can have meaning, we can have purpose, and we could even know that we're not asleep, we're not dreaming at mm-hmm. the present moment. I could tell you some of my bad radio dreams, you know, where nothing's <laughs> going right. I've had plenty of those through the years, but we won't go there right now. We don't have time. But Daniel DeWitt from Theo Latte, again, thank you for joining us here on Faith Radio. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Catch you later. Well, again, thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Pro filling in one more time. She'll be back on Monday. A lot of great conversations happen on the show. You can catch them all if you miss any of them by just picking up the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. If you've not downloaded the Faith Radio app yet, why not? It's a great way to catch up on the podcast, listen to the live stream, read articles, and just stay connected with Faith Radio wherever you go. All right. Do you have a tattoo on? And more people have them these days. Next question. Do you have somebody's name tattooed? Maybe your name of your son or your daughter or your wife. How about Russell Wilson's signature on you? A Colorado serviceman returning to the base with a new and rather unique tattoo in Denver, Colorado. Kyle Johnson was spending some time at his home this week after returning from an army assignment in Poland. He's a, you know, he he wanted to have Russell Wilson's autograph got it uh, written down and then had a tattooed on him it's like okay ryan who's our sports guy (laughs) yeah i i I don't know what to say on that that's the next level of fandom if you want to call it that i don't know what you call it there's that but do you have jesus written maybe not on your skin but on your heart that yes that's the one to have that's more important much more important more mornings with carmen on the way here on faith radio Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.